Hi everyone, welcome back to the MetBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of parathyroid adenoma found under the oncology section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 45-year-old woman presents with pain and achiness in her joints and bones, as well as confusion and a dulled mental state. She also has had recurrent episodes of kidney stones, and in the ED, they found QTC shortening on her EKG. She is currently requesting morphine for her GI pain. Let's continue with an introduction to parathyroid adenoma. Remember that this is associated with multiple endocrine neoplasia type 1, which typically presents with the parathyroid tumor, a pancreatic tumor, and a pituitary adenoma. It is also associated with multiple endocrine neoplasia type 2A, which typically presents with the medullary carcinoma of the thyroid, pheochromocytoma, and hyperplasia of the parathyroid. Remember that the right inferior gland is the most common location, and that hyperactivity in one gland results in atrophy of the remaining three. Also remember that carcinoma is rare. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms can be remembered with the mnemonic bones, stones, moans, and groans. Remember that this refers to bone pain, kidney stones, constipation, and abdominal pain. In terms of the evaluation, histology may demonstrate sheets of chief cells and no adipose tissue. On serology, there will be a serum calcium that is elevated, PTH is increased, and phosphate is decreased. One can also perform a technetium-99 sestamibi radionuclide scan. This will help to localize the mass. In terms of treatment, surgical options include adenoma excision. Remember, however, that this may result in hungry bone syndrome. Remember that when there is increased bone breakdown, this leads to increased osteoblast activity in response to increased osteoclast activity from the PTH. When the PTH decreases after excision, osteoblast activity remains to rebuild the excess bone breakdown. This then causes hypocalcemia that is transient, and it may present with Schwastek sign, Trousseau sign, and QTC lengthening. Remember that for acute hypercalcemia, treatment would be with IV fluids, a loop diuretic, although this is debatable as it can cause other electrolyte abnormalities, and other treatments include calcitonin and bisphosphonate, especially with long-term inhibition. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to parathyroid adenoma, Let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 34-year-old female presents to her primary care physician with four weeks of general malaise, abdominal pain, thigh pain, and anxiety. The patient also states that she has been waking up multiple times at night to urinate. On physical exam, vital signs are within normal limits. Routine lab work is notable for elevated calcium and a serum PTH of 89, with the normal range being between 10 and 65. System may be single photon emission computed tomography or spect of the neck is obtained, which demonstrates increased uptake in the right inferior portion of the parathyroid. Which of the following additional findings is least likely to be present in this patient? And the answer choices are, Choice 1, mucosal neuromas. Choice 2, pituitary adenoma. Choice 3, 
pheochromocytoma, choice 4, medullary thyroid cancer, or choice 5, pancreatic carcinoma. The best answer to this question is choice 1, mucosal neuromas. This patient presents with signs and symptoms of hypercalcemia with an elevated PTH consistent with the parathyroid adenoma. Parathyroid adenomas are associated with all of the above except mucosal neuromas through their occurrence in multiple endocrine neoplasia 1 and 2A. MEN are a family of syndromes characterized by clusters of endocrine tumors. MEN1 is due to an autosomal dominant mutation in the MEN1 gene, which codes for the menin protein. MEN2A and 2B are due to mutations in RET oncogenes. Parathyroid hyperplasia is present in MEN1 and MEN2A, and the most common location for a parathyroid adenoma is found in the inferior right parathyroid gland. Histological findings include sheets of chief cells without surrounding stroma. Diagnosis is readily available through serum calcium, PTH, and phosphorus, as well as Sustamibi scans for the hyperactive gland. The publication by Mitchells et al. discusses the approach to parathyroid disorders in primary care. They outline that the definitive therapy for primary hyperparathyroid due to a functional adenoma is parathyroidectomy. Furthermore, patients presenting with hypercalcemia and a family history of MEN should be screened for the familial genetic mutation. The publication by Gutt et al. discusses familial causes of endocrine neoplasms. They note that of the eight inherited syndromes predisposing to endocrine neoplasia, MEN1 and MEN2 are significantly more likely to cause endocrine cancers. Endocrine cells arise from the neuroectoderm and endoderm. The mechanism through which these cells become terminally differentiated and develop remains poorly understood. The authors conclude that further work into the individual role of the familial causes of endocrine neoplasia represent an avenue to develop new therapies for patients with these disorders. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 2 and 5. Pancreatic neoplasms and pituitary adenomas are two classic findings in MEN1, associated also with parathyroid hyperplasia. Choices 3 and 4. Pheochromocytomas and medullary thyroid cancer are associated with parathyroid adenomas and MEN type 2A. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 46-year-old African-American woman presents to her primary care doctor complaining of muscle aches and weakness. She reports a three-month history of gradually worsening upper and lower extremity pain. She is having trouble keeping up with her children and feels tired most of the day. A review of systems reveals mild constipation. Her past medical history is notable for hypertension, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, and obesity. She takes lisinopril, metformin, and methotrexate. Her family history is notable for chronic lymphocytic leukemia in her mother and prostate cancer in her father. Her temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 145 over 95. Pulse is 80 beats per minute and respirations are 17 breaths per minute. On exam, she appears well and in no acute distress. 
muscle strength is 4 out of 5 in her upper and lower extremities bilaterally. Patellar and brachioradialis reflexes are 2 plus bilaterally. A serum analysis in this patient would most likely reveal which of the following. And the answer choices are Choice 1. Decreased PTH Decreased phosphate and increased calcium. Choice 2. Decreased PTH, increased phosphate, and decreased calcium. Choice 3. Increased PTH, decreased phosphate, and increased calcium. Choice 4. Increased PTH, increased phosphate, and decreased calcium. Or choice 5. Increased PTH, increased phosphate, and increased calcium. The best answer to this question is choice 3, increased PTH, decreased phosphate, and increased calcium. This patient presents with myalgia, weakness, and findings suggestive of primary hyperparathyroidism, most likely due to a parathyroid adenoma. Serum findings in patients with productive parathyroid adenomas typically demonstrate elevated calcium, elevated parathyroid hormone, and decreased phosphate. Primary hyperparathyroidism will classically present with symptoms of hypercalcemia such as weakness, bone pain, constipation, kidney stones, and psychiatric disturbances. Thus, a common memory aid for hypercalcemia is bones, groans, stones, and psychic moans. The primary metabolic disturbance in parathyroid adenomas is unregulated production of parathyroid hormone, which leads to hypercalcemia via osteoclast activation increasing calcium absorption in the distal convoluted tubule, and increasing 125-dihydroxyvitamin D production via 1-alpha-hydroxylase. Additionally, elevated PTH will lead to hypophosphatemia by promoting phosphate wasting in the kidney. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Decreased PTH, hypophosphatemia, and hypercalcemia are suggestive of an ectopic source of PTH or PTH-related protein. This condition is similar to primary hyperparathyroidism, except that PTHRP acts in place of PTH, leading to decreased levels of PTH. Choice 2. Decreased PTH, hyperphosphatemia, and hypocalcemia are suggestive of primary hypoparathyroidism. This is most commonly caused by parathyroidectomy, or a complication of thyroid surgery. In this condition, the lack of PTH production leads to an increase in serum phosphate and decrease in serum calcium. Choice 4. Increased PTH, hyperphosphatemia, and hypocalcemia are suggestive of secondary hyperparathyroidism. This is a compensatory increase in PTH in response to hypocalcemia or hyperphosphatemia from a different source such as from chronic renal disease and decreased gut calcium absorption. Choice 5. Increased PTH, hyperphosphatemia, and hypercalcemia are suggestive of tertiary hyperparathyroidism. In this condition, parathyroid glands become dysregulated after secondary hyperparathyroidism and start secreting PTH regardless of the calcium level. Finally, a bullet summary. Productive parathyroid adenomas produce excess parathyroid hormone, which leads to elevated serum calcium and decreased serum phosphate.
For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 45-year-old woman comes to see you for a second opinion regarding an upcoming surgery for pancreatic insulinoma. While taking a surgical history, she tells you she previously had a pituitary tumor resected. For which additional neoplasms might you consider testing her for? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Medullary thyroid carcinoma Choice 2. Pheochromocytoma Choice 3. Parathyroid adenoma Choice 4. Mucosal neuroma Or Choice 5. Multiple myeloma The best answer to this question is Choice 3. Parathyroid adenoma Multiple endocrine neoplasia type 1, also known as Wormer syndrome, is due to defects in the menin gene leading to pituitary adenoma, pancreatic cancers, and parathyroid tumors. This can be remembered as the three Ps. As she has a pituitary adenoma and a current pancreatic insulinoma, she should be examined for parathyroid adenoma. MEN type 1 may also be distinguished by the presence of other neuroendocrine tumors, including bronchial cancers causing carcinoid syndrome, adrenal tumors leading to Cushing syndrome, or digestive tumors such as gastrinomas, insulinomas, or somatostatinomas. The mutation in menin is autosomal dominant, so relatives should additionally be screened. The publication by Taniegra reviews hyperparathyroid syndrome and notes that approximately 95% of MEN type 1 patients have primary hyperparathyroidism. She notes that symptoms of hyperparathyroidism may include fatigue, anorexia, weakness, or anxiety, but many patients may be asymptomatic and diagnosed only by elevated serum calcium levels, along with elevated serum parathyroid hormone levels. The publication by Lew et al. provides a case report of MEN type 1 presenting a sudden upper GI hemorrhage in the setting of chronic diarrhea and a known prior pituitary adenoma. Extensive duodenal ulceration was observed on gastroscopy. Parathyroid nodules and multiple pancreatic nodules were observed on preoperative imaging. They performed a pylorus-preserving pancreaticoduodenectomy and tail resection for suspected Zollinger-Ellison syndrome, along with the subtotal parathyroidectomy, and the patient recovered well. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 1 and 2. Medullary thyroid carcinoma and pheochromocytoma are features of both MEN type 2A and MEN type 2B. Choice 4. Mucosal neuromas and marfanoid habitus are additional features of MEN type 2B. Choice 5. Multiple myeloma is not associated with MEN syndromes and would be unlikely to occur in conjunction with other two diseases that this woman describes. That's all for this review about parathyroid adenoma. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts.
It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 1 podcast.